healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual, and I hope all of you listening right now also tuned into our fantastic episode on Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. I've listened to that album no less than ten times since uh, that episode came out on Friday, or on Thursday. Um, I can't get it out of my head, I can't stop listening to it. Uh, and that's why that's why we talked about it. And uh, I hope, hope you guys learned from it. The feedback's been good. You guys seem to like it and seem, uh, seem to be uh, thrilled that people are actually talking about this album again. And uh, we are happy to oblige. Uh, if that was your first time tuning in, that, that's what we refer to as a discologist series. Now, at some point, this is probably going to break off into um, into a separate series. That's where we go back through and, and really dive deep into classic albums and and discuss if we can illuminate some uh, neat information about them. We do that, uh, but really try to contextualize them in terms of today and why why we would still talk about them. In that case, almost thirty years later. Um, but. Generally, what we do is, uh, this is a podcast about friends getting together and talking about music, and that's what we're going to be doing today. So, uh, I have a really great album for you, Julian Baker's uh, Turn Out the Lights. It is a uh, devastating and gorgeous album, and it is her second album, uh, or album Spring Ankle. We'll tell you more about her once we head on down to the basement. Uh, and part of this discussion is actually about um, depression and Part of it is about pain in art and feeling bad and whether that's okay. And, you know, we stated it there. I want to state it again. You know, it, it yeah, it, it is okay to, to feel bad. And uh, it's not really okay to stay down there. Uh, so if you find yourself needing help, we're going to put some numbers in the show notes. Uh, maybe you, maybe your help is like me. Uh, listening to music like this. It's catharsis. It lets you know that somebody is out there uh, that is feeling the same things. Even if they're not, it's, you know, they're at least made a piece of art that speaks to you that way. Um, but uh, it's really important that you take care of yourself and really important that you you get the help you need. Uh, reach out to the people you love and uh, and they will certainly reach out to you, hopefully. Um, so, uh, with that out of the way, I just wanted, I just wanted to say that as we, especially as time change got darker, all you seasonal affective disorder kids, uh, I am probably one. Uh, you know, it gets a little hard. I've uh, I've picked back up The Witcher Three. Xbox nerds know that. Uh, so if, you know, find something to uh, to keep you going. Is what I'm saying. And this album might be it. And so that's why we're talking about it. So if you guys are ready to head on down to the basement and uh, talk about a beautiful album um, and uh, have your soul crushed a little. Let's head on down there and meet my friends Eduardo and Marcus as we dive into Julian Baker's Turn Out the Lights. Aaron Rodgers. Fucking breaking my heart. 
What happened? Here's... Oh, oh, he's, oh, he's hurt, right? Yeah, no, he, yeah. he fucking... <laughs> this, is, this is the universe conspiring against me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've spoken of my Madden addiction. Yeah. Oh, God. And uh, Does a player in Madden get hurt in the game if he's hurt in real life? Did you cause this? <laughs> no, no, but that's fucking brilliant. That's kind because of because I fantastic. I took a break. I was, yeah. I've been busy, and I yeah. uh, I was, and last night I had time because uh, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. You know what? I I, I want to sit down and play. I just I haven't played Madden for a while. I want to play a game. I haven't gotten my seat because what I do and what you should do uh, is play a season, and then you get online and play people because people online are crazy. But <laughs> but uh, but. Uh, so I, I got in, and in the first quarter, some dumb motherfucker, a uh, uh, computer player, broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone, <laughs> and I was left with Hundley as a quarterback, and I lost to the Vikings <laughs> four to fucking twenty-seven. <laughs> and I was just like, four? So is that a wide safeties? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a twenty-seven to four? It's amazing. It's insane. Yeah, it is amazing. But but you also then didn't convert either of those kicks that you got back after the safety. No, no, no. I mean, and it was just it was so, I it was so zen. I was just like, okay. So was it a widespread thing of Aaron Rodgers getting having his collarbone broken in the game to? To like emulate his real life injury. Well, or... he's out for the season. Yeah. Yes, with a with a broken collarbone. Right. right. So, but so is it a coincidence that it happened to you in the game, or like, it, or, or, or like did the or algorithm like, put it in? If there? I, if I go online and search for like Madden Aaron Rodgers broken collarbone, will I find thread after thread of people complaining oh, shit. about? I, I, I don't know. Wild. Yeah, it's something we think about here That's though, because like, you... like that gets in like music marketing and stuff. Have you like have you see, have you heard the the, the moments in like the pre games where they talk about all the players protesting the national anthem? It's a thing now. What? They talk about players protesting a national anthem. On in Madden? In Madden. I wow. have not played enough. I'll play it after you guys leave and now we'll see. Yeah, wow. it's totally it's it's in their algorithm, you know, of like shit that spews out of the announcer's mouth. Oh my god. Wow. Well, <laughs> no, uh, really, like for real. Do we need to do a we're, podcast about Madden? We're getting, <laughs> we're getting, we're getting closer and closer to the day when sports games are actually just AM sports talk radio, and, <laughs> and, 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 and you're playing Joe from Loudoun County. Calling <laughs> What if you could play the role of the announcer? Yeah. <laughs> like, show me the cue. Oh, fucking Sam from Manassas again. God damn it. That'd be amazing. Um, You're banned. <laughs> Man, I think you cracked EA's problem. We've been trying to, like, we got to make some money and some stuff. Uh, look, I mean, look, music industry and, and video game industry are not entirely unrelated. This is like, true. you're trying yeah. to, like, market this stuff and. Uh, we're going to talk about an album uh, later on in the week. It, it does just that. Yep. Curtis Harding. Uh, but we are not down here to talk about my adventures in, in Madden or that addiction. Uh, talking about one Julian Baker, who uh, this is uh, her album, Turn Out the Lights, is, is one of the most acclaimed albums of this year. It's one of the most looked forward to albums of this year. 8.6, right? Best new music. Oh, yeah, I, all, I, all of is, that. Is that on some website or something? It's uh, something that rhymes with Stitch Dork. <laughs> <laughs> I've never written for this site a day in my life. I've never I'm sorry. collected a check from Condé Nast. I'm never going to collect another check from Condé Nast. 
Thanks, Ed. Appreciate not, you, not, man. not bitch cork. <laughs> wow. I don't even know. Stealing uh, hot takes. Yeah. Uh, no. A- anyway, look. Um, no, she had one of the, her. Uh, what was her sprained ankle? Yes. A couple years ago, yeah. it was one of her most. Uh, is one of the most well-received albums of that year. Everybody I have yet to see her. Everybody who has seen her has come away feeling changed. And this this young girl has a uh, amazing, amazing, powerful voice. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, a suitcase full of all the feels. She mm. moves with her along for tours and albums. Have, and have feels will travel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's sort of young, born in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Oh, good lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from Memphis, lives in Nashville now. Has an indie rock band that a lot of people haven't heard of, but uh, but it was Sprained Ankle when she first came to uh, prominence. And uh, this is going to play into a lot of her conversations. She identifies as gay and Christian. Yeah. Which in America, that's a powerful statement. Well, yep. that's a powerful statement, period. But uh, it, 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 in America specifically, especially where she's from, it's a very powerful statement. You're in a weird part of the Venn diagram. Yeah. yeah. If, you're in, yeah. if you're from, it's uh, Tennessee, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. It was Memphis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like any good uh, musician, she went to college for a little bit and uh, dropped out because she was like, I want to make some records. And she did. Uh, and now she is back. This is her second album on Matador, and uh, it is bigger, better, more feels your feels ear. And uh, this is the title track from this. We're going to be able to taste of it when we get into it. This is Turn Out the Lights. Say you wish you could find some way to, to be so hard on myself. So why is it? always tomorrow I guess and I'd never do it but it's not a joke I can't tell the difference when I'm all alone is it real or a dream which is worse can Between myself 
that big voice coming from, if you've seen her, a, a very little person right there, uh, was the song Turn Off the Lights, the title track from her album. And uh, there's a genre of music that I like to refer to as misery porn that sometimes sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't, man. And, and it either works or it doesn't. There's an album, uh, a group called Mount Erie put out an album. I think it says The Crow Flies is the name of the album that didn't work for me because it was very, very literal uh, uh, journal entry about death. And it's painful and it sucks and his experience sucked, but it didn't, for me, make good art. If you experience death, you don't need anybody to like really experience it. You don't need anybody to, to tell you about it. Uh, she's, she doesn't go quite this far with this, but this is over the course of 11 tracks. Uh, it had me wondering, like, Julia, Julian, are, are you okay? Because uh, these are songs about not, I don't even know love. Like, this is just songs, there's songs about loss over and over and over and over. And when we, Mentioned that she was gay and Christian is in there. I mean, you can see where it, especially in the South, that would cause a, a tight, at least a low level depression, not chemical, just yeah. like right. having to deal with this type of stuff. But the manifestation of it, to my mind, this is way darker than sprained ankle, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not, this and, isn't and, just and about. And sprained ankle was not like a lighthearted no, Saturday no, no, afternoon no, no. in the park kind of album. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but this is, this is way darker. Uh, and yeah. it, and it, and it marches right up to that line of misery porn. But then you have that huge chorus slash hook that is ripped right out of a Kelly Clarkson yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 pop sensibilities the on pop this album sensibilities are, in this, are like I think I think point, pull it think. back, and yeah. it's it's an interesting uh, combination that I wasn't expecting to hear, and I, I can't honestly name any albums that really have done quite what this does. There's a lot of real pain on the record, right? I mean, I think I think that's like that's sort of a you know, and and so either she's really not well and and has has been not well for a while, or it's or it's you know a little bit of an of an act. Um, and I don't necessarily want to. I don't think it's it's that important. I mean, I think we judge the product. Um, I think there are some really strong songs and some strong moments on here. I think I think we have to keep coming back to the question of of how it works as an album, and 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 because because again the song you know if you if you took any song from this and put it on a playlist as the downer song on the playlist, almost yes. any of them would work exceptionally well in that role. Or not even the downer song. If you put it on the playlist, and, and because of the pop sensibilities, I think as the uh, rushing into your lover's arms, you know, the the reunion, yeah. whatever, scene. I, and I stuff. wouldn't use, uh, what's the song, Even? No, no. I mean, no, well, I mean if you didn't yeah. listen to the lyrics, but if you, <laughs> but yeah, if you yeah. just listen to like but, the cadence, the... The drawn outness of, of well, things and and the beauty of her voice. Yeah, and, I think the more closely you listen to the album, the, the the harder it becomes. Like, and and I've had this album. You know, like we've we've had a particularly gray week of weather here, and so yeah. on Monday I was listening to this and I was thinking, this is this is really appropriate. It's sort of yeah. you know cold and damp, and and this is, um, and I just had it on, and it was background music, and I was doing other things and working, um, and I thought this is I, I can go for this vibe. When I actually then later that day sat down and listened to the words, 
it had that effect of like the problem when you make an album that's this uh, devoid of any kind of uplift or promise of redemption is that it almost gets like it's all so serious that there's a point where it's 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 like that point in Requiem for a Dream where you just yeah. where you're like this isn't even sad or scary or depressing anymore it's just ridiculous like right. you've just yeah. you're just heaping misery upon misery upon misery as a substitute for plot or character development um i, I you know uh, the thing about the like where i think the album falls short is that i like my depressing albums to go somewhere and i like them to 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 have something to say and in this case the album certainly makes you experience all kinds of very dark and 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 it, it takes you to some some really scary places but 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 there isn't like a narrative throughout the album it's just basically right. 10 depressing songs and then a song at the end that's sort of like uh that's a little bit more <laughs> aggressively right. sad <laughs> right. you know? so, like, so, yeah, just... i was yeah i was thinking about um tori amos yeah i was in his album um and uh silent all his years and Little Earthquakes, yeah. her debut album, yeah. like spring to mind. Also so. a Richard Montgomery High School alum, by the way. There you go. Worth, worth right. saying. So Montgomery, Montgomery County. And yep. there's me and Joe Lappin. There it is. <laughs> Rapid Joe. Shout out. But um, so it's one of those things where it's like in that era, there were a lot of singer-songwriters who female who were like going through like extreme depression. It, in, and yeah. around, in and around a well, lot of in the public, same, you had, in, you had, in their work, right? And you right. had PJ Harvey rid of me at the time. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's and you know I was thinking I was I listened to Pose, Angry Johnny, and stuff like yeah. that, and I was like, oh, I, I, yeah. this is why you're on this podcast because like me and Paul are generally the only people that mention Poe, but you, you know <laughs> Poe po in a second, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's like there's all. So I just I listened to this and I was like, okay, so this just fits into that like pre Lilith Fair like opening of the gates of like singer songwriter manic depressive like manic depressive singer songwriting not like not like generically like poppy sort of like laurel canyon-esque like i'm sad but i'm beautiful so i'm still sad but this is like yeah really ground in let's 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 check out a track uh that uh the title is intriguing to me given her situ- situation, in quotes. Um, but it is an example of one of the rawest lyrics on the album, I think. And uh, and we, I want to come back to that, though, because I think a lot to do with whether or not you're going to get this album or this type of stuff is how you perceive, how you want your, how you want your feels. Right. And that's important. This is Televangelist. It's gonna eat itself I don't need Anybody's help It's just Tell myself 
Piano there is, it reminds me a lot of uh, Jimmy Mitchell's Blue. Like, totally. uh, any song off that, uh, and I think uh, to Julian Baker's credit, like that's an apt comparison. This, this is a kid who's just starting out. Uh, give her twenty years, yeah. Uh, give her ten years, and it's just gonna be like, what are you doing? Right. Uh, uh, which is we don't say often, I think, because. We actually asked the question, it was like, where are the next great artists? And whether or not this album is great, I think she's going to be one of them that we looked to. But what we were talking about before, and what you heard there, you know, is this like extreme uh, downerism. Downer core, how about that? Oh, I think that, can we, can that, that works. Downer uh, but there's, there's a, this lyric that kicks off the song, my heart is going to eat itself, I don't need anybody else's help, it's just me. The vacant and nobody else. At least that's what I tell myself. And like, if your friend says that to you, like, you get really worried about your friend. Yeah. And uh, this song in particular, uh, talking about televangelists. I mean, you could equate that to her watching as a gay Christian. Mm-hmm. Anybody on the if you were grew up in my area, like I related to it because like Falwell. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. watching the old time gospel hour. And which her family clearly would have, she wouldn't have been born, but she, she would have. Yeah. And seeing this type of thing, and knowing that now that was on one station, but now you have the cable access version of that shit that's everywhere. That kids like her have to like be raised with that in front of them, which is fucking tragic. Uh, so it is no surprise, I think, when you see somebody who has a lot of just pain. Uh, getting it poured out, but uh, to your Lilith Fair point, Marcus, I think uh, one thing that we need to talk about real quick is the evolution of uh, the woman artist over yeah. over the past few decades, which hasn't. Sure. It, this isn't like a conversation about like, what do you mean? What's it like to be a woman musician? Um, not that, but it is saying like as a woman as a musician, uh, there were expectations in the sixties, in the seventies, put upon it, and and I just said off mic, 
I spent a lot of time listening the past few months to Carly Simon, Carol King, and and seeing these women who are trying to fit into a man's world. And then, it, I, I don't know, maybe you guys know the answer, at some point, this level of agency of certainly the Tori Amos era yeah. came in where I was like, we're going to talk about stuff that is really possibly only germane to women. And we don't give a fuck if you men listen. Right. And that was an evolution. Yeah, and no one has written a song. And, and, and I'm, I'm forgetting what's what I think it's the song even on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, no one, I've, I've never heard a song about being a victim of uh, domestic abuse or being in a kind of a, a, a mutually physically abusive relationship with the level of honesty, rawness, and pain that I've heard on this. I, I've, I've just not heard yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the song ends with her putting her fist through the plaster of a Motel 6 wall. Like it's, it's, it's just a, it's such an immediate, urgent, incredible thing. Um, and it, but, but I think to, to, to your point about misery point at the top of the show, like, but then nothing gets done with that, right? It just sort of it's it just sort of gives you this this portrait of what it's like to be locked in this relationship where probably one of you is going to kill the other if you don't stop, right? right. Um, because you're conditioned to love and accept the violence that comes with it, and 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 like and and I sort of I sort of I I, I need a, another thought at the end of of that song, or I need the album to do something with that emotion, and it just. Sort of put it in terms there. of domestic violence. I mean, if, if if you're framing this as, and I hadn't thought about this, if you if you're framing the album as an exploration of domestic violence, then there isn't that escape. There isn't that release. You don't get it. Yeah, she makes it clear in the song that that you appreciate the violence because you want to earn the the bruises that you get, and you right. want to know that it's deserved, and right. that you're doing something to justify the beating. Like it's so mm-hmm. like 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 that thought has never been expressed on a record, and 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 we've had you know, probably decades worth of, of women writing songs mm-hmm. uh, with relative freedom. And I, and, and I've, that was the first time where I just felt inside, like, tr- like the song is dark and claustrophobic and you feel trapped inside yeah. of that relationship. I'm going to say that um, an artist that I think that like doesn't get brought up enough in these conversations that should is Ani DeFranco. Yep. Um, because the thing about this album that makes it work for some people is that it's so literal is that she literally writes to the point every single time. But what it, how it doesn't work for a lot of people is that there's no artifice or interplay or any sort of like metaphor simile happening in the lyric. And that's important because the great, a lot of great songs have metaphors that are used to carry forth the point in such a way that it softens it and carries it for everybody. That everybody can hear it, and maybe these songs are not meant for everybody to hear. And right. there's a, and there's right. an right. argument that, uh, that says, and there's an argument that says that. And that's an important thing to say. But mm-hmm. I feel like Juliet Baker's voice is great enough mm-hmm. where everybody deserves to hear it. Right. And and to get to the Ani DeFranco <laughs> point, there's like songs like Little Past the Castle and Thirty Two Flavors, where the whole song is powerful. But the, yeah, the I, use of I, but the use I, of metaphor and simile in the song is so yeah. well, well it's done. A, it's a different form of songwriting, and, it and, and, and and that speaks to what I was I was sort of talking about, like the agency of people to actually talk about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to look at it in the form way, this is a very postmodern form. It's just like right. we're only we're just going to basically like write out the facts as if it were a police report, 
and put it in front of you. Right. And I'm just going to sing this to you in this beautiful voice and, and manipulate your emotions musically and harmonically. And uh, that is uh, that's a very specific kind of art. It's more live journal than Wallace Stegner. Right. Yes. Thing, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I just I was I just wrote a piece about Lily Allen actually. You slagged, but oh good. I, I'm not reading a piece about Lily Allen. No, no reason, no no need to. Everybody <laughs> else will read it. It's fine. But, um... <laughs> Damn! Boom! Sick burn. <laughs> the Can you uh, grab the owl plant over there? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So I always say about Lily Allen. The reason that she's a, she's a relevant songwriter for her era and that for any young female songwriter to get into is the fact that they found a she found a way to take like actual like bad things that happened to her mm-hmm. that would end up in a blog post in 2005 on live journal and make songs out of them and it's a tradition that is carried on since then like the thing that separates this from like silent all these years or whatever is that like those songs had like a level of like attention to I'm still writing a great song, but this is more or less like I'm trying to get this pain off my chest mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're going to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I want to, just because uh, you mentioned this track, I want to dig into this track a little bit too, even was the track you were talking about and, and, and get back into that because I think um, we're in the middle of a, <laughs> a literal man-made crisis um, of abuse and harassment and stuff. And this is this, but clearly she is gay. And, but it, it speaks to, I think um, the nature of that particular like evil, mm-hmm. uh, but still she is talking on the white side. So a little bit of even. Too many times to tell you that I think of you every night. I don't wanna make it hard on you, so I could be cruel. Yeah, I can make you hate me, but that make it Trying to even it 
even Julian Becker, there's a line in there that is, uh, I'm, it's been in a lot of songs, I'm sure, but it, it, it resonates. Like, the idea, if you've ever been in a bad relationship, which everybody within the sound of my voice has been, yep. uh, mm-hmm. on both sides of it, you've been the one making the person miserable, and you've been the miserable person. Like, uh, if you want to make, uh, you know, me miserable like you. Yeah. That that cuts to the dysfunction of a relationship. And whether that relationship spirals out of control into physical violence or just emotional, uh, it, it depends on the situation. But that, uh, for somebody that young to know that, that actually makes me sad. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, and, and, and I, I, I don't know, what is it, breaking like the seventh wall or something? Like if we, if we say stuff like this, like as somebody who is older, who has been through like relationships, good and bad, uh, been married, I, I would never have, as much as it would have served me, I would never have wanted to know that at her age because it would have robbed me of a lot of fun. Yeah. And yet here's Julian Baker. Laying that out, and that is uh, that's super powerful. And to that point, can I jump in real quick? Yeah, two seconds. Um, another artist that springs to mind when I listen to Julian Baker is Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I didn't want to go there, but yeah, sure. No, but like not in the yeah. like this man ended his life and shot himself in the head or no, whatever. No, I, no, I know what you're saying, but, but, it's but the I, fact I also didn't. I did, that oh, I, go ahead. Oh yeah, to me. There's this. There was always this sense with Nirvana where, like, even from the beginning, it was the end. Like, you're like, okay, like this person has been through the kind of trauma at this age of their life, where, mm. like, oh my god, like, how how is Kurt Cobain like? I don't doing think it was this? Cobain. It's Cobain. It's a, it's a it's a it's a channeling, like understanding, looking around and seeing it. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Whether whether or not the person, the artist, whether you're talking about her, Nirvana, or whoever. Uh, has been through a trauma. That's up to them to reveal to you. We can't decide that from their art, right? And you can't. You certainly can't decide that from Nirvana's art. Like, I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Clearly, uh, his trauma was a lot of self-inflicted, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, but to me, it's it, it's the a, connections there, and I and I and I won't deny that. I I'm not the biggest fan of Nirvana as a whole. But when they hit, and I'm not talking about Smells Like Teen Spirit, although no. that's a brilliant fucking song. When they hit, it was it was legitimately some of the most powerful music that's been made. Right. Cause yeah, because I, yeah, I, I mean, I keep mentioning these early 90s groups because I keep mm-hmm. on trying to think about like an era where like an entire generation of kids between the ages of like 13 to 18 went through like manic, depressive, like... Right, right. Disconcerting levels of, you know, like, trauma. And that was the last time I could think of, like, okay, this was a time where, like, people that age all went through, like, similar traumas, whatever it was, whatever, like, whatever it was about society at that point. That was so, like, toxic. Right. Where, like, that kind of stuff happened. But But it's, I, I... Well, you know, she's on Matador, so 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 the '90s are inappropriate, right? Yeah, right, time frame uh, to bring yeah. up. Uh, apologies to Gerard Cosloy and 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 that uh, group. Um, but I also, but you, uh, the 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 funny thing about Kurt Cobain in hindsight, and there weren't many funny things about him, but um, 
is that at the time of his of of his suicide, a lot of the uh, kind of the media reports at the time they always described him as sort of um, it was it was in the first sentence. It was that he was he was a children of divorced parents, as if right. that was somehow and. And and most of us at that point either were also the children of divorced parents right. or knew many people. And, right. and that just didn't – it didn't seem – It did Yeah, right. It was sort of like, well, well, so what? Like it's, divorce is a norm like, – but it, but, it, but it speaks to I think the, 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 the inability of the generation who then controlled the media to maybe get what those kids were going through. Right. Or out of place they felt that they had to be like, well, well his parents were divorced. That must have been the – you know, well, that, that, that must have been what it, drove it, him it, to heroin. It's such a weird <laughs> right, playing field, right. and it colors my appreciation of misery porn. Uh, because, look, I mean, I've said this before on the podcast. I deal daily with anxiety and depression. You guys know me pretty well, and you know how this you know how this bears yeah. out. This mm-hmm. is not this is not. Uh, and if you deal with it, I I I feel you. Like if you need to call somebody, like you uh, you can email me or whatever. My number's on the site. What the right. fuck, uh, you know. It's not something in my mind to be uh, commodified. I don't even have it. The anxiety is bad, but the depression is not. It's just like, oh, that's there. There are people who are seriously, seriously depressed. And and uh, but at any level, it's not something to be commodified. And so if you. Are making these things that are. It's a, it's such a fine line between I'm making a thing to have a shared experience, which was the Mount Erie thing, mm-hmm. um, to I'm making a thing to be manipulative because I know these emotions work. Now, that having been said, I really wish Julian had Adele's career instead of Adele. Oh, you yeah. make a great point. Because I think over two albums, and this this is a painful album, and it makes me worry about somebody that I don't know, mm-hmm. but I know people who know her, and that's super problematic because it's super patriarchal. But I'm a 45 year old dude, like, yeah. like come on. But I I hear in that. In this album, uh, uh, somewhere there's going to be a point where she balances this. I hope, well, and, and that it, uh, I, I hope there's somewhere there's a point where she balances this, and but the versus the despair drives her over the edge. And 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 I think I think what's one interesting thing about because I thought about Adele too, listening to this, um, partly because of all the piano and because of the sort of vocal right. acrobatics, but. Right. But also because I kept thinking about what I disliked about the most recent Adele album, and it's the fact that she is now she's married and she has a kid, and uh, she's been married for a few years and she still put out an entire album worth of breakup songs. Yeah. Uh, first of all, second of all, We're an, an album songs where Hello like from the other a, side. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> but 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 also as a twenty six or twenty seven year old with songs like "We Ain't Kids No More," which fuck off, you're yeah. you're a child. Yeah. Um, but, but, but like, but like, but, I mean, but, but the album felt inauthentic because yeah. you know that the songs, the songs are either not current, right? Because she's been married for a number of years and hasn't broken up with someone right. or they're not true. And either way, they don't seem to be rooted in her experience. And well, it's because, it's because she has to deliver songs that are, that are consistent. Very she has, to, she has to deliver songs that, that are word? consistent with a persona. Narratives. That she's narratives. Uh, okay. Right. Right. Okay. She has to, she has to like, <laughs> 
And she said at the time she had a whole other album of material, but she didn't think her fans would get it because it was presumably about it was more rooted in her daily experience. And so and so the risk the risk is the Mm. risk is that is that Julian Baker, the person out, you know, gets through this. Yeah. But doesn't know how to make music that isn't about this. And so in seven or eight years, she is a functional, healthy adult and cannot deliver an album that that is rooted in in that new reality of hers and feels like she has to keep going back to this. And that's that's sort of, I think, the art, the artistic pitfall, um, which seems trivial to wonder about when there is like potentially a real human at, you know, at risk here. Um, I, I, I keep, I, uh, I don't know if she's like, like maybe she'll be on the, the Mark Maron podcast and we'll give an interview that makes it clear that this yeah. is all behind her. And that, and that oh, now she's Mark writing from a better play. podcast than this one. N- no, I just, I think I would, I would love, I would love. I would love this. I just, let me see what you, you would just, listen to. You just, stats, bro. you just don't trade in having people come on and say no, like, right. what's your low man. And let me compare that to what it was like coming up with Louis CK. That's, uh, <laughs> that's Marin's uh, MO. That's true. That's um, true. But, but, um, but I'm thinking of albums that are about like, um, I, I know Kevin's not a fan of this album, but the Mountain Goats, the Sunset Tree, which mm-hmm. is a which is a profound storytelling album that's autobiographical and it's about an abusive stepfather. Um, and and the entire album, it's it's varied in sound and tone and even an emotional um, uh, landscape. And it it's you like you listen to it from beginning to end, and it tells you a whole story. And 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 there's there's a level of emotional satisfaction you get from that, and you experience yeah. all the the deep lows and the high highs along the way. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to tell someone that they need to do something with their trauma or make it more enjoyable for me as a listener. Right. That's not my place to say like, no. um, But, but I think, I think when I, I I just, I, I can't get over the fact that listening to this album is just um, very, um, it's it's moving and it's really unpleasant and and that sort of lim- it's like it's like the movie Straw Dogs like why would you want to watch that movie twice <laughs> Yeah, yeah right? exactly. I'm gonna say something crazy about um, her as an artist uh, I want her and Rick Rubin to make a record together mm, okay because I think that she's I, at a point now where the the industry loves her you know like that yeah. side of the industry that you know does the pitchfork thing yeah. And I think that that's the kind of critical acclaim that gets you in the room with a guy like Ruben. Like, I know, like, the homie Goldlink does stuff with Rick Ruben now, and that's the kind of guy yeah, that yeah, yeah. he is, where he's just like, are you at a point where my time is worth, you know, your career? Yeah, sure. And I feel like the, Rick's one of the only people, because she needs a good producer, just to sit there and yeah. just listen. Oh, I, I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I, I need, maybe, maybe I think the word you're looking for this album sounds phenomenal. But like an editor, I guess. So like it's like reduction in a way that like he does it. Right, where but like... this, album, this album wouldn't be the same though if it wasn't an editor. I mean, it's like the what where this album works, and and like ultimately as we're wrapping this up, like this album does work for me. It's not something I'll listen to often, uh, but it is uh, undeniably one of the most powerful statements of 2017. And Agreed. yeah, and so. Just for that, it's fine if music makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, like, and it's fine if you don't like like it. Like, you don't like, you know, I'm gonna put this on in the shower. <laughs> like, you know, it, that that's fine. But but if you recognize something that is like, fuck, this is just like, this is 
peak operating level and wow okay they did that might not be my bag this time but the, yeah then you gotta you gotta fucking support that shit but your point you were saying yeah i just think that um you get with a not even really a producer but somebody who can just listen mm-hmm. and who has your best and who has for the progression of your career and your best interest at heart and i think that's what rick rubin always does best like he's that's if there's any one skill that he has more so than any other skill, I think that's the skill. Yeah. And if you were gonna try to find a song that doesn't like capitalize with somebody's, you know, like depression as a you know, a point of, you know, like commerce, then I'll be probably I think and she's at a level where that's the only guy who could really sit down and mm. maybe make something that's I, like palatable. I, I, I out think of you're it. right, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think working with somebody that just to be like Just to say, ask like the question: Do you do you really want to continue down this? Right. Like, is it is it okay? Is, this the is song? it okay with yeah. you that you're right. continuing down this? Because you want somebody uh-huh. who can then also pull you out of that, keep some of the, the the tropes, right, of what the old sound was, but also then respect where you are as a person now. Yeah. Because it's like it's like what he did thing with Johnny Cash, where he's like, okay, so you're Johnny Cash, and, and look, we. Look, we don't know. Maybe right. maybe she has that. Right, and I'm uh, just saying, what, I'm just saying I, that's, what, that's to and, me, a good solution. Yeah, and what what I do know is that, like, if you get in that, that you would create something like this, and you don't have somebody who can pull you back from that, you desperately need that. Yeah. Like, that's important. Agreed. That's just Agreed. life. If, yeah. you, if you are down, if you need to find somebody, and because you can't, it's not worth it to stay there. Exactly. Yeah. The, the whole idea that art is suffering is bullshit. It is not worth it to stay there. And if you find yourself staying there, and, and this may be saying, speaking directly to Julian, like if, if you find yourself there, I'm sure you have great means to get help, but please, like, it's just not worth it. Yeah. yeah. Um, if this was just catharsis, you got it out. You are healthy as shit, and that's amazing. Awesome. Yes. That is, that Good is, on you. Uh, and, that's, and, that, and that's what I think we all are rooting for, partly, is yeah. the sort of the, yeah. like, the ambivalence is maybe concern masked as uh, not being sure if we're allowed to like this because, holy shit, what if this is all so real and right. she's in it right we have, now? We haven't been kids in a long time, and we haven't yeah. really felt like this. And for this, like... Yeah, punch through to like, oh god damn, dude! Punch through what? about 20, <laughs> 20 years of living. It, it, yeah, this this record made me feel like I was thirteen again. Yeah, yeah. So like that was weird. It's like you're listening, like, and not necessarily in a good way. No, not in a good way, but in that way where it was like, okay, so like, because I think that that's 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 a, and that's a big part of this before we close out mm-hmm. is that people need to understand who are adults that like. We were all 13. That was like the first time that we all kind of went through like the first like notion of like, this isn't childhood anymore. Yeah, yeah, sure. And the problem with kids now in this era is that like you multiply that with like social media and then like peer pressure being on a different level than it's ever been. And then also on top of that, like given the fact that she's like gay and Christian, she's probably been gay as long as she's been Christian at this point. Yeah. So like it's a, it's a really rough thing when you realize oh god this this standard of things that I believe in 
no longer apply to me. So what do I believe in? Who am I? What do I do? Yeah. And if you're like 16 trying to figure that out, that's no fun for anybody. Nah, nah. And she's, you know, in her early 20s and trying to figure this out. And, right. And, uh, and uh, I'm sure, first of all, she knows Lucy, so she has good people around her. I'm sure she has. Uh, but, yeah, this is... It's a great album. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Great album. We want her to do well. We want her to be well. And uh, Julian, if you want to come stop by the basement. Yeah, skip we'll, that Mark Maron guys show. Skip that Mark Maron guys show. No, you, you spoke. You're even sitting in the goddamn chair, dude. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to play a track. Uh, we're back to doing tracks, and I'm playing them, but hopefully in the next few weeks, like you guys will be playing tracks. Right now, I'm going to play a track. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is, this is a little bit connected, so uh, hang tight, we'll be back in a few. Baker's um, turn out the lights. Uh, ratings aside, go go out and check that out, everybody. And uh, and when she's coming to your town, check it out. I guarantee you. Uh, we're in a place. I think after, especially who got elected uh, in Virginia, the the very first trans, yes, out uh, openly trans uh, delegate to the House of Representatives in United States history. Yeah. It is, also, mor- it is morning in America. It is it morning is. in America. And and yeah. I am um, from Virginia and I do not really ever want to go back there, but, uh, but I will always love it. And I love it because of that, because invariably as problematic as it is, I mean, we talked about Charlottesville and they were like, this isn't us. This is, yeah, this is you guys. If the show, <laughs> if the show was, this is us, it'd be like, the hippie yeah. in Charlottesville standing next to the most racist dude of all time. So, but <laughs> love it. Uh, but it's a, it's a it's a wonderful state with wonderful people, and they did uh, a good good thing. I don't know what we got on that topic, but uh, but um, Julian Baker, well with your time right now. I got something that I hope you're going to spend a little time with. Uh, this is uh, Gregory Porter. He is a uh, his guy has got a little heat in the past few years. Album back in twenty sixteen, "Take Me to the Alley." Yeah, uh, I think our friend Marcus Moore might have written that up. I he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know, speaking of soul, we're sort of bouncing back. We're going to be talking about Curtis Harding later on this week, right. so we're sort of bouncing back and forth here. But uh, but this is There's a guy. only three forms of music. There's country, western, and yeah. soul. I think. Yeah. That's what we've discovered. Yeah, um, this guy. This guy is actually uh, he's my age. I know. Believe he is. it or not, uh, and he has a, a, this deep baritone that you recognize anywhere, and it's just very in tune with everything that's going on uh, in his in his history. And to that point, uh, after four albums, he said, "You know what? I'm gonna take a little break, 
and I'm going to do something that I've been wanting to do for a really long time, much like Nels Klein's Lovers. Mm. This is a passion project mm. like that that he wanted to do because growing up, like uh, a lot of just people, never mind just black families and stuff, in his family was Nat King Cole. When his father died, that was something that really connected to him, so he was like steeped in that. Uh, and uh, he's been sort of chasing it ever since. He was able to assemble a band, uh, six-time Grammy-winning arranger Vince Mendoza, got the London Studio Orchestra involved, uh, Christian Sands on piano, bassist Ruben Rogers, and Ulysses mm-hmm. Owens on drums, and uh, he got Terrence Blanchard to come in on two tracks to play trumpet. Yeah, so, I mean, it was real deal. <laughs> this is Jesus. a guy This guy on Blue Note, and I say soul because Blue Note is generally associated with jazz, but they're really good about like really curating uh this almost lost art form of music. Yeah. Um so on this Nat King Cole album, uh he does one song in particular that I wanted to play, which I think will pair nicely with a uh, Chateau de de Baco. Chateau de Julien. <laughs> yeah, Julien. Chateau de Julien. Um, and, and I will say this, uh since it is sort of recently, I saw Janelle Monet play this song the night before my father died. And my father and I were estranged, and it, it it has always been emotional to me. But that night in particular, it it made me ball in the uh, in the uh, floor of the nine thirty club. And this uh, similarly, this was like the the tail end, the tunnel end of this. This made me smile um, because it made us all smile.
with gladness Hide every trace of sadness Although a tear may be ever so near That's the time you must keep on trying Smile was the use of crying You'll find that life is still worthwhile Mr. Gregory Porter and uh, singing that classic that is, uh, it's a good chaser for Julian Baker, right? And my sad ass story. Like, that, that, that sort of hit the spot. Perfect. That's, I mean, uh, that is, um, whatever you think about Nat King Cole, uh, he, 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 he knew how to write a song, kids. He could, uh, <laughs> he could do it and that summed it up. And that, that really, um, this album's out on Blue Note. And we're doing really great things. I don't have the details right now. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. They uh, just did a subscription thing. Yep. Oh, did they? I tried to get I tried to get uh, a promo of it, and they're like, it's literally limited to like fifteen hundred copies, and they can't send it. <laughs> like fuck. So uh, I guess I'll be buying it. It's like two hundred bucks, and you get like this box set once or twice a year. Uh, but it's Blue Note, man. Yeah. Wow. Like Blue Note's still fucking doing this shit. Yeah, like that's that's the thing. Like this is, uh, I said during the break cause I, since I've been on the vinyl binge, this is I need to get this because we're gonna have Thanksgiving dinner. And I need to have this fucking just playing on oh, the yeah. turntable. And no, what's going on? Right. Nat King Cole is Gregory Porter. Like uh, Gregory, and- yeah, Gregory Porter is the best. Like he he he. Like it's funny because in any other era he would have like. 37 top 10 singles and, you know, 8 trillion Grammy Awards. Oh, he was in the 70s? Holy fuck nuts. Yeah, he'd, yeah. he'd, he'd yeah. see, it'd be a wrap. He'd be, he'd have a Stevie Wonder level of success. Yes, he would. Uh-huh. People wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Like Stevie Wonder, like 74, 75, and 76 yep. when he was Absolutely. the greatest Absolutely. artist that ever lived. You know, like, but it's 2017. This is a different music industry. You know, Future still doesn't want a Grammy, but, you know, that'll change. And, you know, like, but that's where we're at. He's on the new Taylor Swift album, though. Exactly. Future is. Of course. But, uh, not, but, Gregory, not Gregory Porter. Right. I don't want to disparage the man. Right. Of course. So, but the thing is that I make that point because Gregory Porter now gets to be an artist on Blue Note and gets to be like instant, instant, like instant reclaimable jazz soul legend. Yep. Like out of the gate, which makes all of his work like that Even much though he's more... not necessarily a jazz soul legend. He's no, just he like... isn't. But but the, the the style in which he sings and yeah. the way and yeah. the intentionality yeah. of think, his voice. I, I I love that in the alley album uh, and uh, uh, from the is it in the alley or from the alley. In I think it's in the alley. Yeah. Uh. But I am no. Oh, take me to the alley. Yeah, okay. We're all not. Fa- we're back to not facts based. God damn it. <laughs> Shit. All right. Um. But uh. Yeah. But I love that he went this direction and stuff because it's a celebration of not. Just, it's a celebration of the song Kelly, but also his voice. Right, because he's phenomenal. Yeah, he does a thing where if you listen, you should listen to more Gregory Porter now that you listen to this. Yes. If you like it, yes. listen to his whole 
catalog. If you're young and you think that like soul music is for old fuddy duddies, he did a whole bunch of music with uh, with uh, Claptone, who's a, a German techno producer who wears a gold mask. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're like 21 and this, that doesn't apply, then <laughs> a gold tech, uh, techno producer with a gold bird mask will absolutely apply to you. But uh, and and he does phenomenal work with him too. So like the thing is with this is that he affects his voice in a way to give it more of a sound towards what Nat's voice sounded like. Yeah. Which is a weird little like thing that just adds to like the awesomeness of what happens here. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, to the yeah, warmth a... and the nostalgia. And exactly. The, yeah. 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 It's a good so. Yep. Fire. So I didn't know if you guys oh. heard that, but it, but if you hadn't, you, yeah, if you hadn't heard that, now you have, and and same goes for you, listener. If you hadn't gotten hit to that, don't be afraid. It's gonna be okay. You, you can you can actually take this episode and do exactly what we just did. Go listen to Julian Baker's album. And then put on this album after it. It's your come down. It's your chaser. It's your fucking your Valium. Yeah, I listen. It, I listen. To, I listen to Mob Deep after I listen to the Julian Baker. But that's that would probably that's, make me feel much no, worse. No, no. <laughs> uh, that is you need it. confirmation that, that this human spirit can't be redeemed. <laughs> that, 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 that is it uh, for this episode of our lovely podcast. Thank you, Jennifer, for coming down. If you like to hear, you can, can subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts. You can find it on your phone in the Apple Podcast app or in iTunes. Are we still on Deezer? No. No. We got okay. kicked the fuck off Deezer. I, I just mean, I just got a Sonos, so I so I know what. So I oh, did you? I saw a Deezer. Did. Awesome. Welcome to the, welcome to the uh, Sonos oh, family. Oh, we need to talk. We need to talk. <laughs> uh, um, I think Sam deserves a Sonos. Oh, Sam okay. definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, you can listen to us on uh, Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher. We're up there. Even I have to check and see. Stitcher Premium is a thing where stuff is behind a paywall. I don't think we are mm. behind a paywall, but if we are, I'll fix that. Or pay us. Oh. Patreon, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. See, this, pay, is why, pay, this is why like, I need a marketing person. So, so there's a wall, and someone's going to pay for it. So Mexico, we're looking at you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> No. And there it is. No. I, I bet they have better grants than the city of D.C. Too soon. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, no, uh, if if you want to listen to this, you can listen there. You can always listen to us on the site, chunkyglasses.com. Also, pipa.io uh, backslash chunkyglasses has all of our episodes up there. Those are never behind a paywall because they're awesome podcast host provider also go to the site see the work of Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro out there every goddamn night shout out to Mauricio who I see on U Street all the time now yeah in real life like <laughs> I don't know. Mauricio I need to, is I need is, to buy some or some living and pizza. his best self and they, those are the only two people no they aren't the only two people from the site uh, they've been at the anthem you won't find me there that's what <laughs> But uh, but uh, yeah, so they're out there. We're out there. We're at Chunky Glasses on Twitter, at Chunky Glasses on Instagram, Facebook, and all that. We're gonna be back uh, in a few short days with Curtis Hardy, Soul Man. Yeah, we're gonna have an interesting discussion about that. Might slag Danger Mouse a little. You have to wait and see how that turns out. Yeah, and then after that, uh, racing towards the end of the year, we've got a little Taylor Swift action coming up. And then uh, you're going to Brazil, right? I'm in Brazil for a for a week. Okay. So so to all of our listeners in Rio, we might come, learn come how to Skype up. you in. Okay. Yeah. I think I we would, need to have an immediate reaction to Taylor Swift. I, I would. I would. I would. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how this works. We'll see how this works. Well, Taylor Swift. 
It comes out on Friday, right? Yes. All right, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll figure this out. And I, think, I, think, I think I fly on... And, and I just checked my uh, Apple Watch alerts, and Big Machine did not send us an advance yet, so... Yeah, um, jerks. And then, uh, and then we're gonna race to the end of the year and give us, give you our best of, and then you're gonna get to hear a bunch of weird shit. Literally, weird are, shit. Are we, gonna, are we gonna drink five pounds of whiskey? No, again? we're not. Here's why. Well, I can't tell you why. But <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The year end is gonna be normal this year. Good, uh, good. It's, was... it's gonna be sane this year. Uh, but <laughs> five pounds of whiskey is actually the amount that we drank last year. But, uh, anyways, we're just. You know, we're going to watch CMAs, and you guys, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back in, in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears and be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. I still hear guitars in the <laughs> 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 Kenobi! <laughs>